0: Being a poet and a woman on the front line. A conversation with Yarina Chernohus, a Ukrainian poet who became a soldier to defend her homeland. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine and its series Thinking in Dark Times by Ukraine World. My name is Volodymyr Maria Malonko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist and chief editor of UkraineWorld.org. In this episode, I speak to Yarina Chernohus a Ukrainian poet who became a soldier to defend her homeland. Yarina is a paramedic and a reconnaissance scout who went to the front line before Russia's full-scale invasion. Before her military experience, she was an activist organizing protests in support of the Ukrainian language and culture and against capitulation to Russia. While on the front line, she wrote two books of poetry, which had substantial resonance in Ukraine. Her profound poetry touches upon the topics of life and death connection with those who are no longer alive, connection to the land and Ukraine's war experience today. Thinking in Dark Times is a podcast series by Ukraine World. This series seeks to make Ukraine and the current Russian war against Ukraine a focal point of our joint reflection on the world's present, past and future. We try to see the light through and despite the current darkness. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us at Patreon.com/UkraineWorld. Patreon.com/UkraineWorld. Yarina Chernykhus, welcome to this podcast. Uh, hello. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk. So, you're, you, you are a Ukrainian writer who chose to be in the Ukrainian army. And actually, for our listeners, I would say that we know each other quite a long time. Uh, we met at the university, at philology department. Um, I was uh, a professor, you, was a, you were a student, and then you chose an absolutely different path. So, not only writing books, uh, although you do write books, but joining the army as a female, as a female soldier. Can you tell me how it was, how you took this decision and um, what followed it?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, Some people are um, surprised by such choice, of course, Um, but like my background in university and in humanities studies, uh, I would say... um, was also the thing why I went to army because um, at that time in university in Kiryav Mohila Academy, I decided that I uh, will chose the life path, you know, of um, mm, no, witnessing the real life. Like, and in our country, uh, if you want to witness a real life, you you have to be on the front line, you, or you have to just uh, be there for some time and to see, yes, the things that uh, are there and how our soldiers and uh, civilians yes, give, give their lives for uh, Ukraine. So, like this is a um, very important thing to understand life and to understand your role in your country. So, this was that that was one of the reasons. Um, Apart from that, I wanted to join the army in 2014 uh, when Russia attacked us and occupied Crimea, Donetsk and Luhansk. But at that time, I couldn't join the army because I gave birth to my daughter. Um,
0: How old were you in 2014?
1: uh, 19 years old. Yeah, I was 19 years old and I also was a student. Um, So I decided that I... um, will give some time to my daughter yes to, to grow up and i finish university and after that if i'll still be needed i'll join army and in 2019 uh, the war was still on the war was that w- was in such um, condition that like no one in world remembered about this war but it still was w- war uh every month uh, six ten soldiers were killed on our front line by russians and i decided that i'll join and when we will have the next hot phase of this war i'll be ready and i'll be like prepared soldier
0: i remember you were always talking um, and, and telling us that those of you who believe that this war will be short that we can like, win it in one year, then it will all be stopped very soon, uh, very naïve people. And that this war can be very long, lasting for years or even decades. Do you still think in that way?
1: Yes, um, I think uh, Russians, uh, they commit uh, genocide of us during these 10 years and uh, they won't stop. Because, um, okay, if they stop, they lose their empire maybe will be like broken, because uh, like um, colonization of Ukraine and Kiev is very important part of their ideological myth. And uh, they will do that until I don't know, I, I, I don't know, until until they they have forces. and Ukraine has no choice has become a very strong military country with strong defense and yes, to live like all its time in war circle, as has the name of my uh, first poetry book we unfortunately it our, our fate war circle
0: I remember then when you made a protest, it was your unique protest you Uh, You just uh, took a place near the presidential office, it was in 2019 or Mm -hmm. 2020?
1: 2020, it was uh, spring 2020. Right.
0: And you were also joined by, by, by some of the people, brave people, but that was your protest against this capitulation, against this mood which was spreading with the first years, months of Zelensky presidency that Mr. Yermak will be searching for some compromises with Russia and i remember and, and you spent there days and days and months near the presidential office and uh, i remember that we were asking you so what, what what is what is behind what is the force behind your staying uh for some, so many days because it was very difficult to imagine for ordinary people right that you were you were sleeping there you were days and nights yes, near the three presidential yes yeah. And uh, you said the phrase just one word. Stoyemo. You said stoyemo. We we are standing here. So it's it's a kind of a, a word that that uh, embodies this decisiveness of the Ukrainians, even even the stubbornness of the Ukrainians. And I think that uh, this feeling uh, is one of the most the strongest feeling that Ukrainian nation has. And and you just formulate it in in, in one word. Do you, do, you, do you feel that this feeling is still there?
1: Uh, of course, this feeling is three times stronger right now, I think. Uh, yes, um, talking about that protest, well... Um, I'm very sorry that our, uh, you know, um, politicians, officials, yes, they trapped into this uh, thing as a fake fake uh, piece, right? they believed in this fake peace um, before 2022, yes, and um, they also forgot about, like, all sacrifices that made our soldier during this very calm uh, trench war, these 10 years, yes, and um, by the way... um, one of the things why I was there for so long was also that I lost like my partner at the time. He was a soldier of the brigade and was killed by a Russian sniper. Uh, it also gave me a strength to be there and talk uh, about the things that we have to prepare ourselves to the bigger war, because Russia is going to attack us again and take more territory. Um, Mm, Well, I felt that, like, his sacrifice is just forgotten by the world. And I really hope that now, after 2022 and 2023, when all world-witnessed Russian terrorist acts uh, is... uh, men and women uh, yes who gave their life yes for defense of ukraine they, they won't be forgotten i want to believe in that
0: you joined the the army and uh uh i imagine that this is physically difficult it's a psychologically difficult and physically difficult right and you pass through all these exercises to prove that you you can you can compete with us soldiers and you can compete with men uh was there any any thought in yourself that okay that's too much i i I give up
1: well i love difficulties (laughs) so um yes army was one more uh, difficulty and uh yes sometimes it was like physically um difficult but I don't remember any time when I say, oh, it's enough for me, and I won't do that. Uh, When you are the only female on combat position in reconnaissance unit, um, you have no choice to be strong and uh, to do more even the, the, more than you can, because all men, they are watching you, (laughs) they, uh, can you know, forgive some weaknesses to each other, to men, but they never forget a weakness to a female soldier, by the way, because, well, uh, in this army community where most people are men, uh, well, it, it is, like, quite often considered that it's not, there is not a place for women, yes, in army, And you have to prove all the time that they are mistaken, that you can do the same job physically, that you are, um, yes, not exhausted after 10, 15 kilometers in the field in armor. Yes, you have to do that. And uh, I think I was okay with that because it's like my fourth year in army and I still have... uh, inspiration for this job
0: is it changing the attitude to women is it changing among men among ukrainian men because uh, i mean uh, do they understand that women in the army strengthen them because there are women paramedics there are women who are intelligent who can run the 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 and, and so on do you feel this change
1: well, yes, there is uh, quite a change in this because compa- in comparison to 2014, uh, it's like a, a big progress in this like gender uh, equality sphere, and because in in uh, in those time in that time, uh, females couldn't be on combat position almost, almost at all. Right now, uh, there are not many. Female still on combat position but they are some of them and um, uh, there is a new generation of commanders who respect uh, females who want to be same soldiers as guys and when you are lucky to be with such commander uh, you can do almost anything uh, yes uh, in in the very battlefield if you prove that you quite strong and you can do that yes without difficulties for your unit so yes here is there is a change but still there is also a stereotypes there, there are some stereotypes in some guys of maybe elder generation especially about females of course yeah, but i would say in any army we can see the same thing
0: One of the most difficult things in the in the war is that when you lose friends, when you lose people who are close to you, and in your book, in your poetry book, you write about it a lot. And I think this is one of the major emotions of your of your book, of this one, the second one, which is called "Design the Defense of the Presence." Uh, and to our listeners who are probably uh, some literary agents uh, in english german french speaking world, you should translate this book as as far as quick as possible so i, I don 't know how to ask this question because uh, all of us in that or that moment uh, in the war where they are, they are, we are on the front line or in the rear. We are experienced that, right? The loss uh, of a person who is friend, who is family member. I think about eighty something percent percent of Ukrainians lost either family members or the friends. And and the, the the biggest question is how to how you live afterwards, right? How to how you how you find the 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 strength to live afterwards. In one of our trips, uh, we met a man in IZUM who lost seven members of his family in that multi-story building in IZUM which Russians bombarded. Your response maybe is poetry, or is there anything else? You're trying to keep the memory of these people, and uh, this book is also dedicated to those people, right? To the memory of those people. Do you think that Ukraine really... makes a little bit better job of remembering its fallen soldiers?
1: Well, mm, yes, uh, poetry is uh, my way, uh, yes, to express the truth, to express uh, some mm, ideas that are (coughs) not so amusing, but which which you discover on the front line. And I always... uh, write poetry in like condition of pain or something like that so I'm I'm not writing when I'm happy unfortunately yes Um, talking about memory well I think uh, right now uh, yes we will remember our soldiers much better than it was in 2014 we will dedicate more time to our memory Uh, but there are very, very many of them, yes, who passed away, and uh, we should talk and remember their them immediately, not not to wait until yes the victory or something like that, because uh, we live we will live in such uh, condi- condition of defense for a very long time, uh, yes, like this um, and uh, well. Losing friends and uh, the dearest people means to live in afterlife. There is a poem in my book, which is called Afterlife. And um, yes, when you uh, lose someone who you really loved, you see the world absolutely in, I don't know, not, not, not like before, in... In other light, yes, and uh, I don't I know. It's difficult to describe that. Maybe it's better to read about that, or or, just, or I, I won't wish anyone to feel that.
0: Let me pass to the question of the of the army, uh, because there is this stereotype abroad uh, that well, Ukrainian army is composed of those brave people made out of steel and. Uh, they are so brave, and in Ukraine as well, there is this show made out of the army, especially during this counter-offensive. And uh, there is a certain category of people who just wait until this, who drink for the victory and who wait until it's all done. But at the same time, uh, when I, when we come to the front line, we are not military, but we, when we come and, and talk to you, to you or to, to mm-hmm. people like you, we see the absolutely different mood, which is a mood of uh, first uh, that many, many motivated people are already not with us because they were killed, and uh, and and there is a mood of exhaustion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do you feel this mood, or, or is it just uh, temporary, some, you know, sparks, and in general you feel that it is still Ukrainian army, still, you know, filled with highly motivated people, and um, the mood is strong, and um, everything will be fine, etc.?
1: Well, uh, about exo- exhaustion, uh, you see um, our unit is on front line from um, August 2021. So when uh, full-scale inv- invasion started, it was like our eight months of, uh, ret- of tour of duty, I guess, on the east. And after that, we had another one, uh, one year of full-scale invasion and then one more year. <laughs> this year yes so it's almost two years on the front line and i had different periods like after being a year on the front line with my units so changing once in three months location but all the time there uh yes i felt something like ex- exhaustion i wanted uh, like to see my home in Kiev, yes. To see my flat, uh, to see daughter, and and, and that's it. And uh, I was allowed to be in vacation for maybe a few times, like ten days. Well, and after that, uh, you know, uh, I understood that I've used to it. So I've just used to it. Even and um, I want to be on the front line and i feel that front line is more home for me than (laughs) anything else it's it's quite a strange thing like some uh, psychiatrists say it's it's not it's not good if you think if you if like war zone is your zone of comfort it's not good and um well right now i'm few months yes in vacation uh like with Ministry of Defense in, in one project, engaged in the one project, and I want to be back on the front line every other day. And there are there are some soldiers also who want that, because we, we're used to that, and it's like, it's our life right now. Uh, so, yes. Um, it's, well, I would say that we're still motivated and very strong. Because if we have a lot of people, yes, who get used to the front line and of in, in, engaging and fight, I'd, that means that um, we won't lose territory. No more, I think so.
0: Coming, coming back to your book and to your poems, one of it is about Earth. It's called it's called Zemlya. Earth, or land. And... Uh, I, I recognize something that I also felt very much in this war, is how really Ukrainians value Earth. And you write that the, the, the color of the Earth is usually believed to the color of evil, which is a black color which is not the case for us. And uh, you refer to one of the Ukrainian flags, which is a red, red and, and black. And uh, it, it's actually, that is the stereotype that this is flag of Ukrainian nationalists of the Second World War, which is not true because it com- it's, it's coming back to the, uh, to the First World War, to the sychevy and all the rest. And there is this metaphor uh, of this flag, that there's blood on earth, right? And I think you, you, you also use this, this metaphor yes do 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 you yeah do you consider that this earth and land is is so much important for ukrainians this is this is one of these archetypes this is this black black matter that actually is um, is welcoming in you and uh, you have this metaphor that people as if they clean their hands from the earth but actually they clean their earth from the skin from the skin from their hands
1: well yeah well um, uh, when i became soldier i discovered a nurse for myself as i uh, was um, a you know human who was born and grew up in city yes, among, uh, yes in in the capital and uh, when i became soldier we um had to you know dig trenches a lot we had to uh, you know like walk a lot on very different locations and nature and fields and desert even, yes, on the south of Ukraine and and sea. And I discovered, like, the beauty of Ukrainian Earth. And it um, became, for me, something very, very important because uh, Earth is giving you a strength when you see the beauty of your landscapes, yes, of the cities, of this. The night region, as you know, is very beautiful. It's, it has a very unique, nice nature, and as well as south of Ukraine, where we have this uh, shore of Black Sea, yes, um, and islands there. It is very beautiful, and um, mm, yes, all the time when I was a soldier and I looked on it, I, I understood that it is something that I can give my life for. It's very, like, I don't know, maybe strange feeling, but, um, yes, uh, maybe this is the reason why we are so strong, that these landscapes and earth is giving us, yes, a strength. And it's like, if we look on history, we will see that all times in these fields in the Nysk region and south of Ukraine, there was like this war and all... Different generations of Ukrainians, since I don't know, maybe uh, 12th century, yes, def- were defending its identity, yes.
0: Yes, this also uh, amazes me, but also frightens me because you understand that this is the region where. You, you, you had the front line, and the, the eternal front line. It was the front line between the Slavic tribes and the Turkic tribes, Turkic-speaking or Iranian-speaking tribes in like Middle Ages. Then there was a front line between Ukrainian Cossacks, the Moscovites and the Kremlin, Crimean Tatars and other Turkic-speaking uh, people then i'm I'm reading right now the memoirs of uh, Anatoly Dimarov, which is a Ukrainian writer and uh, wrote wonderful memories, fantastic, very good memories about the twentieth century. And he's describing the Second World War in the places we visit all the time. It's Izum and then he's, uh, his uh, village which is called Studenok, which we haven't by, by chance visited yet, but all this region, you know, and, and you kind of uh, recognize everything like aviation, bombing houses, and now it's, it's all the same. But at the same time, I agree with you that this... You know Donetsk region, and I don't. I don't really like this concept Donbas because it's very artificial one, created by the Soviet Soviet, times. Because you understand when you travel there, you understand that there is geographically, climatically, in terms of people, there is nothing which separates it from Kharkiv region, from Slobozhanshina, from Central Ukraine. The landscape are the same.
1: Yes. Yeah, and um, if you remember this legend from, I don't know, kiev Rus time, I think, about uh, plants of this wild field, Apolline. Yes, that's this legend when um, uh, one small boy was taken to captivity and when he was adult he came to the yes to the, this ukrainian wild field as a uh, occupant by the way and he felt the smell of this pollen plant and he uh, recognized his homeland so he understood that it, it is like his home and uh, yes the army in which he was it was were, were his enemies yes and yeah that's why when i uh, signed my books, the Indonesian region in Slovvenska, also I found this pollen and took some plants inside of a book for, for readers, because yeah, it really has a beautiful smile. and um, you know, I don't afraid of this kind of romanticization, because we are allowed to express our love to this region, because we you know, uh, there is so much blood, yes, of Ukrainians. Yes, for, for this possibility to have nice region, yes, in Savary, in Ukraine.
0: One of your poems also talks about age, and you describe a, a kind of a fantasy about elderly people who are making love and young people imagining themselves as elderly people, but at the same time with the conclusion that these young people will probably not become elderly and because they have all chances to die when, when they are young. And actually, this is also something I thought that uh, persecutes me all the time when you come to like stable countries, to Europe, which is, you know, gives, makes demonstrations about retirement age. I, I really admire people's belief that they will live until the retirement age, which is not the case in Ukraine, and uh, not only in this war, but even previously, I mean, we didn't really think about how we become older, right? We, we, we never thought in these 30 years of independence, this was never an issue, like you become older. Because and you, what you do when you retire, because nobody is guaranteed that you will live until that. And this is an awful, awful thought, and horrible thought. But at the same time, maybe it is also a thought that gives you a capacity to live now at this present moment how do you perceive it
1: uh, well you see um, in our uh, like modern world uh, you know uh, elder age is not well uh, is a thing uh, like uh, which mo- most of people don't want to, to see or they, they prefer not to think about yes this age of retirement or elder age and uh, uh, our Modern world says that you have to be like always young, yes, and this yes, concept of youth. When you are engaged in war like this, like we have in Ukraine, and yes, you are like a young person, and you are engaged, and uh, you change this understanding of the v- valuability of being youth, yes, of, of value of being youth and understand how well used to be you know elder person who lives somewhere in his private house and can die with natural death because it's really privilege, you know for our generation because so, so much guys and girls who yes who are 20 30 years old or even that they they won't witness this elder age um then you you just i i i I noticed in myself that i started yes to value and to dream about being elder one day (laughs) um and i can say also that lots of my comrades they feel it like this You know, it's like romantic things that, oh, it's good to be, to young, die. Uh, Yes, to die in young age, so no one will see you like elder. And, well, (laughs) life is very valuable. In fact, even, yes, to live to elder age in Ukraine is great benefit and much soldiers dream of it.
0: Life is very valuable and... uh... The things, you write a lot about the things of people that that have been lost uh, and that you carry with you, and you have this metaphor in one of your poems as if you take the touch of those people who are no longer alive. And uh, this is very, very touching in itself uh, image. Um, Let me ask you about literature, because I remember when uh, when we were present, you, you were presenting uh, your book here in, in the space of pen Ukraine, where we are now. I told you that your uh, texts are more than literature, because literature is something that can exist without actually. This is how we were taught in the universities that no matter how what lives are lived by a poet or a writer, that's his or her text. That's a kind of a chadervs. That's a work of art and he or she creates it for its own sake. Whereas in our case you cannot really say this. In our case in Ukraine, Ukrainian poets, those who are on the front line or not, you really feel how it is all, you know, their lives is reflected in this text and, and, and kind of a this earth that you are writing about kind of a talks through this texts. and sometimes you feel that the words are not enough to express something, right? How do you, how you feel this writing? Well, mm,
1: yes, little little share in a, uh, war when we fight for right to uh, to extinct, yes, to, to, yes, on this world. So, so it it is always special, like we give. So i w- i would make a comparison that uh we give names from the beginning to all worlds
0: it's like adam adam who is given yes names, right? yes,
1: so we back to the very beginning of the earth like why you think that return every person to the very beginning of human ex- yes uh, extinction um uh,
0: existence
1: Ex- existence existence yes to the human existence to the very beginning and here you you can give name yes to the earth you can give name uh, to the yes uh, elderly age you can give uh, name to the love and all things in the beginning if, if you if you seek for the truth if you seek not for I don't know some things like popularity or or, or, or like an important thing if, if you want to express this truth thing you have to give names to the all things of the world of the beginning when you witness war
0: another uh, image of, from your poem that I remember that you are talking about people uh, who are you looking into their eyes and you understand that these are the people who are ready to, to die and and this readiness is expressed in 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 their eyes, and you ca- kind of recognize them. Another poem is about a bullet which never misses the target. And uh, when I, I I read it, I ask myself about this uh, uh, feeling of inevitability. Like people who go to the yes. front line, do they feel this inevitability?
1: Yes, inevitability is a biggest biggest thing about existence, yes, in war and being on front line. Mm, like uh, one of my friends just told me in one um, talk that we have to just accept that all of us, uh, earlier or later, will die in this war, in these years. So we, we, we have to accept that and uh, I also have this kind of acceptance, by the way. Uh, talking about this war, sometimes even you agree with that. You understand that this one, your friend died, then another one, then another one, then and uh, you understand that you are like in a queue. And um, I don't know, your mind has no choice to accept this thing that one day we'll have to do that. And uh, this poem is about this Calm, you know, um, understanding of say of the thing.
0: Difficult to talk about these things, of course, but uh, yeah, or maybe this is our reality. Yes, it's, we have it's to necessary. Talk about that. You yeah. cannot be silent about them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how you feel in Kiev? Because uh, I have a feeling that you feel very, very uncomfortable and. Uh, that you told me about this as well already, that you, you feel that your home is on the front line. Do you feel that, that the difference, uh, that more and more the cracks between people who are on the front line and who are not on the front line, do you feel that this distance or abyss increases?
1: Well, there is, of course, distance. And well, here, I feel like, um, f- here is a space of ab- emptiness for me, unfortunately. Despite the fact that I enjoy uh, seeing uh, open restaurants and cafes and that people are living life, yes, and this is n- n- not always happy people. Yes, they lost also someone in this war, but they live this calm life, and well, I'm happy to see that. But still, for me, it's space of some emptiness because, uh, uh, well, you always want to be there in that place where you uh, as I say witnessed a very sharp experience and where you witnessed where you discovered uh, grace truths about life and uh, of course I love this job of soldier like for me it's like profession yes my second profession and I love just I don't know this repeated soldier life and I miss, I miss it somehow that's why yes, it's it's nice to be here like for week, two week, weeks, months. But after that, I want to to be back. Uh, in Kyiv, uh, lots of people respect most of people respect militaries. Well, but of course we have this situation where when some people are feeling somehow how to say that um, guilty that they are not engaged in the war. That's why they try yes, to hide their eyes when they see uniforms or they see uh, yes, um, people who lost his hands or legs. Mm, yes, but, well, this is n- quite natural. Uh, for me, mo- most important not to be, you know, how to say that, um, in Ukraine, we call it "perebuyvash." Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> too overmuch, overwhelmed uh, yeah, with the yeah,
1: war. Yeah, yeah, it's like slang word. Too, too overwhelmed. Like you are so soldier, you 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 are going and say that everyone is guilty to you because you were engaged in war and, and in combat actions, and they are not. Um, for me, it's unaccept- unacceptable. I prefer to live, to remain like a, a, a human, and. Uh, to be able to have yes normal dialogue with any person in despite military or, or civilians.
0: let me move, and maybe this is last part of our conversation, from the existential uh, things uh, to more maybe technical things. Mm-hmm. so you are on the soldier on the front line, you see you, you are engaged in battles you work as a as a paramedic but also you work as a um, uh, how to call it, reconnaissance uh, yeah, reconnaissance
1: soldier reconnaissance, drone, pilot, drone yeah.
0: pilot what does ukraine need to win this war because we hear more and more that russia um, is also learning very well and that it is adapting and it is still has you know power in the air in terms of aviation in terms of helicopter but also in terms of drones What does Ukraine need? What does it need from uh, from its own society, from international partners? What is your perception?
1: Well, of course, we need more armored vehicles, especially medical armored vehicles, just to be able to save lives of uh, wounded paramedic and uh, wounded soldiers and paramedics who evacuate them, like M-115. Five uh, 113 is one of the best armored vehicles uh, and apart from that what is maybe more important we need more cannons we need long uh, distance artillery uh, we need f-16 we need aviation uh, yes we need much resources much resources uh, more to defend us and to to make like iron dome yes on on our territory and to make europe safe from this russian army because if they occupied us for 3 days as they told in their propaganda uh, i am sure they would try to occupy poland and baltic countries and maybe they would go even farther so uh, for Walt, it's important to understand that this our defense. It's not only defense of Ukraine. It is defense of, uh, you know, dem- democratic uh, principles and sovereignty of all countries of, especially East Europe and further all Europe. Because I remember when I a few years ago I, I saw um, a video. From Russian television, where there was a track like um, there there was a scenario how russian Russian army is going to the ocean, yes, and it's like witnessing Atlantic Ocean on the shores of France or something like that, so yes for some people it's quite I, I don't know cringe looking cringe but for them it's one of the scenario all all depends of their possibilities and how far we allow them to occupy its empire
0: yes and, the, and europe is actually unprotected the only and, and 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 doesn't want to accept that the only protection of europe is united states and what if something happens with the united states trump or something else or Oh, yeah. Europe, Europe is protected by Ukrainians and by Americans, and uh, it's it's very it's very unpleasant to to recognize this. But you're a drone pilot, right? And um, the drones are very important, uh, and, and and we hear more and more news that Russians are are constructing the the drone, you know, factories do we do you have the impression that we have a risk that uh, they will beat us in the air in terms of drones
1: um well i'm not sure about them that they will beat us (laughs) with drones of course but yes we have to uh we have to engage here more more drones especially these fpv like fpv drones like this Kamikaze drones we we need we need them they uh, attack us with drone Kamikaze, ke- as yes, with uh, killing drones like every uh, other week right and yes we we need them and right now russians they um mm, they have increased this army of drones it's true and that's why we need good radio blockade uh systems not only drones but also radio blockade systems to defend us from them
0: and maybe the last question what gives you strength
1: um, well uh, i think first of all my daughter when i think about her understand that i have to be strong and have to try to yes to to survive, and the family, my husband, who is also soldier, I think that two of them, also all things that I believe in, like luckily I have uh, much things that give me strength.
0: Yarina yeah, Chernous, thank you for this conversation.
1: Thank you for this conversation.
0: This was a podcast explaining Ukraine, and it's series Thinking in Dark Times by Ukraine World. This series seeks to make Ukraine and the current Russian war against Ukraine a focal point of our joint reflection on the world's present, past, and future. We try to see the light through and despite the current darkness. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm Ukrainian philosopher and journalist and chief editor of Ukraine World. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internet Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. You can support us at patreon.com slash Ukraine World. You can also support our volunteer trips to the frontline areas at paypal ukraine.resisting.gmail.com ukraine.resisting.gmail.com Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.